Welcome to Rise Smile Films, the film review podcast that mixes cinema with fine spirits. Journey with us as we encounter new, old, and strange films with the occasional dabble into sports and music. Proceed with caution as these podcasts feature spoilers and some mature language. This is Matt. And this is Jesse. Today on tap, we have Point Break starring Patrick Swayze, Keanu Reeves, Gary Busey, and Lori Petty. Story by Rick King and Peter Eliff. Screenplay by Peter Eliff and directed by Catherine Bigelow. Welcome back to Rise Smile Films. It's time to close another film review cast. This one all about our 90s action films and all the the, the, the different iterations we've gotten. We did Speed, The Last Boy Scout, and just kind of thinking about 90s action uh, in a nutshell. Maybe underappreciated in, from my perspective, uh, especially with the, the film's... Uh, we've talked about i know last boy scout was pretty pretty damn crazy but mm-hmm. from 1991 we're talking about point break uh i know you were looking forward to talking about this one uh and talking about our boy keanu reeves again and he's in the news a little bit uh right now with some roles and some movement uh, in his career and we're going to talk a little bit about him through this show and then our, our questions but what is it about this film like uh why has this one always been kind of a favorite of yours there is a as yet untapped dying to get out surfer inside of me. Mm. Um, and, but I really, I've seen this movie probably 75 times, yeah. but I enjoyed every time it's on, I'll always watch it no matter where it is. I, so this is not going to be an unbiased review for me this week, everybody. Yeah, like this is <laughs> one of my all timers. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I like Bodhi's sort of ethereal water take mm-hmm. on things. Yeah. And as I was watching this time, it really kind of made me think back to, True Detective and Matthew McConaughey's character. Mm, yeah. And wondering if maybe some of that might have transcended into that really great character that he played in that first and only good season of True Detective. <laughs> first and only good season, yeah. <laughs> that was amazing writing, partly, but mm-hmm. that came from somewhere. Um, certainly not as in-depth as that, but I think that when Keanu Reeves is talking to Lori Petty, and it might be... Um, a bit of a ploy at this point in the movie where he says the ocean just calls to me. I feel that. Yeah. Um, you know, when I was a little kid, mm-hmm. I don't know if I ever told you this, my dream job yeah. was I wanted to open up a surf shop on the beach. That's pretty cool. That's what I wanted to do. Yeah. That part of me still has never died. So you take that and then you take a genre of film that I really love, which is a heist mm-hmm. and it's kind of made, made in heaven for me. Yeah. What's really interesting about this though is you would think at this time, so what, 93, 90, when is this, 90, 91, 91, mm-hmm. yeah. You would think when this movie came out that it would have been directed by Silver or one of somebody from the Donner stable. Sure, or, yeah. But Catherine Bigelow mm-hmm. comes in and absolutely kills this. Yeah, and so, I think that's, <clears throat> that's my in, I think is her, like yeah. just trying to kind of see what else she kind of peppered throughout her filmography and you got such a such a wild and diverse film you have like the very oscar heavy stuff she's kind of more known for now which was her locker Locker. zero dark 30 yeah um but their tenure in the 90s is quite in blue steel point break strange days uh she did k19 the widowmaker it's pretty good little submarine movie solid films near dark pretty great vampire film as well so that's horror that's action that's science fiction that's historical true story war film like it's kind of a little bit of everything you know uh, this is a bit off the subject but did you see the news on roadhouse this week yeah uh what do you gyllenhaal yeah 
Yeah. Um, Conor McGregor and Jake Gyllenhaal in the Swayze role. I'll, I'll, I'll check it out. Uh, me too. Yeah. Uh, Swayze is a little roadhouse in this movie. <laughs> a little bit. He's, um, he kind of has that, because in Roadhouse, they do sort of have the yeah. higher level thinking or the more zinned out approach to life. Yeah. Um, you take that in a form of a bank robber and you kind of wonder, sorry, someone who is so zinned out needs all that money, but mm-hmm. we can get into that too. Well, I think we're going to have a lot to talk about here. So uh, we're opening up, uh, this is, uh, trying to finish this one off. This is The Agitator, finished in red wine barrels. This is Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Uh, I was reading the label on the back before you came over and we're supposed to taste notes of espresso, chocolate, or even berries. And that's probably the sweetness of the red wine, right? Cheers to you. Cheers to you, my friend. You do kind of get, think about it, uh, like a chocolate-covered strawberry. You sure do. Yeah. That's not bad. That's uh, They tend to be a little sweeter and the more amber in the color with those red wine oak casks. I'll get the next bottle because you got this one. What was this one? Uh, 60? 35. Wow. Yeah. The 35 to $40 range is like my favorite right now. Mm. Like some pretty good bottles. Uh, I think the ones we've had lately are all within that range. When we open up the next full cask, I'm getting us a nice old Forester. Yeah. It's time for that one. Or maybe a bottle of wine. Tease. <laughs> well, let's get started with our flight question. Alrighty, so you prefaced already. This is kind of a heist film, and the ex-presidents. What 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 a great name for this this little group, and how they're all dressed up too is even better. Mm-hmm. But uh, we love ourselves a little heist. I know you you really like this little mini subgenre of action thriller. Um, there's been a lot that have been done uh, on movies and the small screen. So our flight this week favorite, not the movies, but. The favorite heist scenes in those particular films. So why don't you go first? Three, three, two, two, one, one. Yeah. Uh, number three for me is in the town, and it's the heist scene at Fenway Park. I think the town can come under some criticism, and especially the last half of it because it feels very Shawshanky. Mm-hmm. But uh, man, I think that's a really, really underrated film that I'd like to do on the show someday. Yeah. And the idea to steal the the financial pull from Fenway Mm -hmm. is so cool. Part of the heist genre is what are you stealing and where are you getting it from? Yeah. A baseball park Mm -hmm. that's as iconic as Fenway for those guys. And are they, are they in the nun outfits in that, that, Mm -hmm. that scene? Yeah. Yeah. Great uniform. It takes a little from point break a little bit, doesn't it? That little rubber mask. Mm -hmm. I I only saw that movie once in the theater and I remember really liking it. Uh, And it was kind of a big turnaround at that point. Ben Affleck was like DOA for me. And then, Saw that I was like, yeah, maybe he's, he's better at as, as a director, and uh, kind of followed that up with Argo, and then that improved, and then all the Batman stuff kind of really soured me on Ben Affleck again. But. Two big wins, though. <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah. He's uh, had a weird career in Hollywood, hasn't he? Roller coaster, man. Yeah, and his marriages, right? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Back with J Lo, I think. Yeah, yeah, they got married again. Oh, that'll work. I'm sure they're headed for years of bliss. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> God, Ben Affleck. Oh, great choice. Thanks. Yeah, I would like to. Yeah, we could couple that with maybe a few other interesting heist films. That'd be that'd be a good cast. Mm-hmm. Number three for me from Logan Lucky. This is the NASCAR motorway heist scene. 
Uh, again, the, the how, the where, and the how, I think is right. Is so again a NASCAR race? In at this, uh, there's going to be like millions of dollars being passed through, and I love this like tunnel system that they end up figuring out, drilling, and then vacuuming all the cash from the vault. Right? Gosh, Daniel Craig's so good in that movie. Uh, and uh, my favorite part of the heist actually is uh, Adam Driver's character has a prosthetic arm. Mm-hmm. You don't want to leave any clues behind or anything, and his arm gets vacuumed up into the money sucker. <laughs> it's just like awesome. another like huge issue that they have to deal with. But everyone's really great in that. Him, Channing Tatum's good. Uh, Katie Holmes, who just like is also DOA to me, really good in that movie as well. Uh, Soderbergh, our boy Soderbergh, good choice. That's my number three. Yeah, good one. Number two. I think this is also another kind of underrated film, Spike Lee Joint, mm. Inside Man. Unfortunately, it stars your favorite actor in there. Favorite actor of all time. Clive Owen. Yeah. I love the escape in that movie. You ever seen Inside Man? Mm-hmm. I love the idea that they dress up as the prisoners and walk out in broad daylight yeah. instead of tunneling or blowing up or some large spectacle, which they kind of do anyway to provide cover. But because they've shielded their identities the whole time, mm-hmm they're allowed to just sort of strip down and get in with everybody else, which makes sense why they stripped them down at the beginning. So there's nothing identifiable. Yeah. And they just walk out in broad daylight. I really like that movie, except for all the Jodie Foster parts. Yeah. She kind of ruins it. I don't think she's entirely necessary. Mm-hmm. But up to or remiss her character, I like that movie a lot. And I think the escape piece in that, which caught me so off guard. Yeah. That was a, if Shamilan ever did a action thriller, that was kind of the level, if he was on his game. Sure, yeah. <laughs> so that's my number two. Excellent choice. Thanks. Yeah, I saw that once. I fell asleep in the middle of it, but I did re- go back to watch because I was thoroughly engaged with, with mm-hmm. that one. But I, I really like Spike Lee, so. Yep. My number two, uh, uh, Dark Knight. The opening bank robbery sequence. You know, let's kind of like, just to just juxtapose last week's film Thor love and thunder and Mm. our introduction to Gore, the God butcher, which we fairly liked, but kind of almost caved in in itself in that the end of that sequence and fairy dreamland and whatnot. Like I'm all about these superhero films, establishing the antagonist in the opening moments. Cause I think it sets the tone for this is the type of movie we're going to watch. And again, the, 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 the how and the what we're stealing mob funds from a mob bank from a low level criminal, like what's he getting at here that, and then he kind of offs them all off throughout the, the bank heist. Uh, and then his reveal to William Fickner, the banker is kind of the cherry on top, but it's, I think five minutes and Nolan shot it with IMAX cameras. It looks beautiful, but tone setter. I mean, that's just like when you watch that and you're like, no Batman, you're just, you're ready to go. And you're just kind of like, what is the rest of this film going to be about? Mm. So that's my number two. Good setup. That's a great beginning. Thank you. Good choice. Number one, classic cinema here from Mr. Arthur Penn, Warren Beatty and Faye Dunaway and Bonnie Mm -hmm. and Clyde. There's several bank heists in there, but it's actually none of those. Mm -hmm. This is the heist of Eugene and Velma in their car. Mm. Um, for those of you that have not seen the movie, essentially young, young Gene Wilder is making some time with some gal on the patio and they run into Bonnie and Clyde. And I don't want to say like a high speed sort of chase ensues on the highway. It's more kind of like a cat and mouse, although the mouse is really slow because the, the barrel gang is 
rapidly catching up to Eugene and Velma. And they get them pulled over. And what you think could be a little violent goes the actually the other way. They steal them with them in the car and they spend an evening together. But the best part of that is not that there's this highest. The best part of that is the camaraderie and how quickly it turns mm-hmm. when Eugene's job as an undertaker is mentioned and watching Faye Dunaway as Bonnie um, Parker just freak out because she feels like this is foreshadowing an end that's coming. Yeah. And that look on her face when she like basically drops her hamburger, french fries, stops, and just goes, get him out right now. Yeah. And they just leave him on the highway is so telling. So that's always one of those memorable ones for me. Great choice. Thanks. How many times do you think you've seen that movie? <laughs> Not as much as this one, but probably a good 50. Yeah. I'd really like to do that. would be a good one to talk about. Yeah. Warren Beatty and just that partnership. Eugene mm-hmm. Hackman there and Estelle Parsons, right? Kind of cut from that time period that we like. Yeah, really. It's like right in that 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 uh, year range there. Great choice. Thanks. My number one. Uh, this should be interesting because I know you don't like this movie, but I think this is a great... The, the, the movie builds up to this moment, and I think in the moment it absolutely slays... And it's Michael Mann's Heat, the armored truck robbery. Uh, De Niro and Val Kilmer, Danny Trejo is one of the guys in there as well. Uh, I've kind of come to the conclusion over the last several months of that I think I actually really do like Michael Mann's films for the most part. Um, his later stuff, Public Enemies and uh, Miami Vice, I'm not a big fan of, but like Heat, Last of the Mohicans, Manhunter, Thief, uh, and uh, what was the. There's, there's another one in there. I, they really, really like the like those films. And I think he just, it's the way he shoots it, too. It's his style. It's kind of like the tension he builds up in that. And, you know, you just had everything building up to that moment, right? So I'm going to go with that one. But you're, you're not a huge fan of Heat, are you? No, I actually do like Heat. I just, <clears throat> it's, it. there's a lot of <sighs> grandiose moments in that film. Sure, yeah. Um that shootout that happens in the middle of the town square in the middle of the day in LA, mm-hmm. that's a little bit far fetched for me, but it, it yeah. does fit. Like he doesn't really, there's not a lot of subtle in what he does outside of maybe thief. Yeah. Actually, I shouldn't say that Manhunter is kind of an understated film too. Mm-hmm. The latter Michael Mann stuff, I think really kind of changed. Well, the last of the Mohican, some big epic like that. That's not subtle. Yeah. But uh, no, I don't dislike that film. And I think that that's, that's a really good choice. I'd like to do that film someday. Yeah, that maybe that one with the town, and we'll go find another one in there, yeah. too. It would be a pretty good little cast. That would be. Mm-hmm. The heist cast that we've talked about for so long. Well, we kind of did. We did a little heist cast with Dog Oceans. Day and Oceans and Before the Devil Knows You're Dead, so I think we could come up with another one. Uh, Michael Mann actually has, it's coming out, I think, in November, uh, a novel, Heat 2. Right? Mm. It's just like a continuation of like that world and some of those characters. Who's left? Um, is De Niro's character still left in that? Or does he kill him? I don't know what the what the book's going to be about. I, I thought I had read a synopsis, but I, I might be confusing it with another alien novel or something. But I think, again, like a long gestating sequel idea that probably couldn't get made today, right? I mean, those guys... Yeah are all fairly aged, but uh, do it in book form. I think that's a great idea. Sure. Like, all these great ideas, like, don't just throw them away. Like, let us read about them. Like, that Alien 3, the unproduced screenplay, like, they repurposed it as a novel, and it's great to just read through that. So mm. I'm down. Great choices. Yours too. Good job. Well, let's talk about the heist in this film, or heists, plural, um, and let's get started with our review breakdown of Point Break. You've been working bank robbery, what, 22 years? 
Yeah. 22 years. Man, L.A. has changed a lot during that time. The air got dirty and the sex got clean. Uh-huh. So a guy with that kind of timing must have some theory about these guys. Leave it alone, Johnny. Okay, fine. You've given up. Fine. It doesn't mean I have to. Hey, hey, listen. Forget about it, kid. They are ghosts. Yeah, of course. What am I thinking? If you couldn't crack it with all your years of experience, it's impossible to conceive that I might have something to offer, right? Well, maybe I can do better than some over-the-hill burnout. Hey, watch your mouth. Maybe you ought to just take some early retirement right now and get some rent-a-cop night security job. Tell Nam stories. Listen, you snot, those little shit. I was taking shrapnel and caisson while you were crapping in your hands and rubbing it on your face. You mad? Yeah, I'm mad. Good and mad, Dad. What do you want to do about it? It feels good, doesn't it? Like you're still alive, right? Yeah. Well, since you're still alive and you're not in the box just yet, why don't you tell me this theory of yours and we'll go get these guys? <sighs> okay, hot shot. You want to nail the bank robbers and be a big hero? Definitely. Definitely. Then here it is. The ex-presidents are surfers. <laughs> so good. This is really good, isn't it? Yeah. It's just, I've watched a lot of Gary Busey this week. I rewatched, because I rewatched Predator 2, and he's kind of like the like asshole military guy running like a squad in, in that thing. So it's just been a lot of Busey in my week, but this, this is great. And I dare, I say, I don't want to spoil too, too, but I'm going to go ahead and do it. Like his character, uh, Papa's meets an untimely end. And dare I say, it's like the only time I've ever like felt like remorse. I didn't want to see Gary Busey get killed yeah. in the movie. I mean, it's, it's, it's a great character mm -hmm. and they're really good together. They are. Yeah. Keanu Reeves is interesting. I think that that's a guy that been taken to task a little bit on his ability to act. Yeah. As that sort of steel bald, just out of school, piss and vinegar cop. Yeah. I'm buying it right there. Can, can I mention something? I, I heard this on, it was just a YouTube uh, little talk show. They were talking about Keanu Reeves because it got announced this week. Uh, the long gestating, uh, Martin Scorsese produced Devil in the White City, which is a story about the first serial killer, H.H. Holmes. Not first serial killer. First, like, prominent American serial killer, right? I read that book. And Yeah, and uh, Keanu Reeves is going to be in this, I think it's a Hulu limited series they're going to do. So this is his first foray into television. Interesting, because that originally was DiCaprio. I think he might still be in it. Hmm. The, the, the two of them together. It's kind of awesome. That sounds pretty good. Yeah. Um, but anyway, they were talking about that news, and that, that sounds pretty good to me. I'm, I'm willing to check that out when it comes out mm. but uh this person told the story about an acting class and in the acting class they were making fun of um someone just was like oh keanu reeves or just like oh the way he delivers lines and this and this and that and then, like the teacher like called them out and was like yeah but you know what he's the guy on all the magazine covers and like so what does that say right yeah. so that's it's like certainly a good point to make it's the, like the charisma it's the vibe he has and this is kind of it for him, right? This is like his, I would want to say, big break, point break. <laughs> yeah. Because it was Bill and Ted before this and My Own Private Idaho and some of that other stuff. And so you have this, and then the next year it's Dracula, right? Yep. And then we got Speed, like, the year after that. So this is kind of his moment to kind of, like, prove in, like, an action vehicle that he could have some chops and sign me up. I'm on board. This guy's interesting to me. <laughs> he seems cut for the part. Yeah. You look at him and... Um, good looking guy, young, robust, mobile, all the pieces you would need to sort of check a decade of action films. 
It's going to lead to our flight question a little bit, or our nightcap question a little bit later. But yeah, he looks the part. And Gary Busey, I think, plays really well opposite him because as someone who might be close to being past their prime, yeah, I think what Reeves brings as Johnny Utah is a re-envisioned or re-empowered version of what it means to go after bad guys. Yeah. But where he might be a little green around the girls, yeah. we get that great, I'll play mentor if you play motivation. Yeah. And they do it really well. Let me ask you this. I couldn't find anything in any research that pointed to this, but do we possibly have Catherine Bigelow to thank for taking a chance on Reeves in a space like this? Yep. Because I don't know if there was other actors in the works or if he just tested well or who knows how they did it, but it's a director's decision, right? Well, look, man, I mean, look who gets second billing in this film. Yeah. Swayze. Yeah. The fact that Swayze yeah. didn't get Johnny Utah yeah. and that they gave it to Keanu mm-hmm. after Bill and Ted. Yeah. We and have Swayze, a lot. Swayze kind of like. Top post, of his, type po- of high to his power right now. I think right it's now. a year post ghost. I mean. This like, guy's big time. Yeah. And not only that, to then to play the villain, kind of a really good villain, mm-hmm. but a villain nonetheless. Yeah. Really interesting casting decisions. But this movie doesn't work. Yeah. Without them in these roles. Well, Roadhouse is right around. The, if it's not yet, it's coming for him too. Like he is A-list talent. Yeah. He's going to make a bad decision with some choices going forward, but yeah. God bless Patrick Swayze. Yeah. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers to him. Yeah. This, this might be a trickle down from Bigelow of just Herb just being in very much in control of this story, this direction. This had to have been the movie she met Cameron on too, right? They were married already. Or were they? So they had this script kind of came towards Cameron and they kind of worked on it and molded it together. And he says that they ended up rewriting a lot of it. Uh, but yeah, this was kind of like a thing that she was looking, looking forward to, to, to doing, like wanted to like make th- this type of film. So they were very much a married couple at this point. Okay. Um, is it that there's just like a great moment too of, I don't know if it's just like, cause I, I, I don't know if that like was a sour divorce, like if it ended like bad or whatnot, but there's kind of, I guess a poignant moment for Catherine Bigelow when she wins best director for the Hurt Locker movie that I don't particularly love, but it's, it's, it's okay. Uh, first woman to ever win best director and like, like sitting behind her, her ex-husband, James Cameron for avatar. Right. And yeah. she like beats his ass like that. That's pretty sweet. Be pretty sweet. Right. Yeah. She probably was like, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. backstage. Pretty sweet. Whether it was yeah amicable or, or just sour. I, I don't know, but I kind of don't think it was. Cause I remember in the press clippings, her saying a couple things about avatar that led to, less than a friendly state that the two of them existed in. Yeah. And I've heard some things from Cameron, like the way he treated uh, um, Kate oh. Winslet on oh. Titanic and call her Titanic Kate. And oh. Kind of a prick. Oh, he's Mega he's prick. He's perfectionist, genius, asshole, right? <laughs> you excited for Avatar 2? Um, I'll be honest with you. This, this is going to roll some heads or shock some people, but I, I don't hate the first Avatar film. I, it's it, obviously it's Dances with Wolves, you know, and po- it's Pocahontas. It's that, yeah, that just the re- revisionist history, uh, just uh, white man's colonialism. Story. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was the word I was looking for. Um, visually, I thought it was it was amazing, mm-hmm. and uh, I was like, that, it wasn't based on an IP, right? Yeah, it wasn't based on a book or a thing. It's based on other history and like ideas, but. That movie made like two billion dollars. I mean, like the guys like churning out these original ideas that are making like boatloads of money. I am curious about Avatar: Way of the Water, and I, 
I'll be I won't be surprised if it's a bomb and too much time's passed and no one cares about that world anymore. And I won't be surprised if it makes another two billion dollars. Yeah, I think I agree with that. I guess my take is the visual piece that was a large selling point of the first one, mm-hmm. which is now what twenty years ago. No, it, it has to be two thousand nine. Avatar was a nine. Yeah. Okay, so fifteen ish. Then anyway, it's still a long time. Yeah. You know, we've all grown up, and so maybe it's time to take our kids. Mm-hmm. But I think what they play on the PlayStation 5 has that beat visually. So yeah. I just don't, that's that's not going to play the way it did the first time. There's got to be something in there to hook us, and maybe we just, we haven't seen it yet. But again, I, like I said, I, I'll, I'll, I won't be shocked if it bombs, and I won't be shocked if it makes $2 billion. You know, the first time I read about some of the stuff in the production of Avatar, I remember specifically him saying that he spent more than a week on the shape of the female lead, I don't remember her name's boobs in that film. Oh, yeah, the Navi, yeah, or Zoe Saldana's character, yeah. So that character, he, which not to not to sound perverse, but it just shows the perfection that he wanted to put into that. I don't think they're going to care. Yeah. This time, my daughter's not going to care about that because I'm watching her play whatever video game she's playing at the same time. Sure. Yeah. And she she doesn't care. We'll see. It's coming out in that window that I that I think is the sweet spot in uh, a release schedule, which is December fifteenth. So it comes out before Christmas. Everyone gets off for the holidays. Everyone's together for the holidays. They go see movies. So it's the type of movie that slays from mid December to like the end of January, right? Yeah, and just rakes in all the cash. That's when Force Awakens came out. That's when Spider Man No Way Home came out last year. So it's got the window, right? Mm. It's got the prime window. We'll see if it delivers. I don't mm. know. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting relationship here with Reeves, uh, Johnny Utah. And another thing I, I went and revisited, which I hadn't seen prior. I went and watched the remake this week as well mm. from 2015, I think. Mm-hmm. <sighs> what a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. And I'll bring up some comparisons, but like that Johnny Utah was already kind of like an extreme sports guy. And like his buddy like falls off like a cliff at the beginning and traumatizes him. And that it in that uh, encourages him to join the FBI, whatever. Mm. But I kind of like this Johnny Utah where he does have an athletic sensibility, but I like that he struggles with the surfing here early on. Right. He needs lessons. He needs to learn the way. The other Johnny Utah in the remake was just like, yeah, he was like surfing the big waves already. There was like no where for that character to go in terms of an arc. Mm. But I love this training montage here at Quantico or wherever, and he's in the rain, and he's like he's slaying the course, and we're showing that with the surfing world, and everything is just wet, and you got to be used to just being in the water, right? Uh, and his team up here with Busey is just great. I love their introduction where he's like, being blindfolded and he's talking shit about his new partner and he's like, yeah, he's right in front of you. <laughs> Do you think that's done to really subtly or subconsciously drive home the point to the viewer that this is a fish out of water? Yeah. Why not? I think so. That opening bit in the range where he's just mm-hmm. capping every little target that goes by with pinpoint precision. Yeah. It doesn't need to be in the water. Mm-mm. So I think that is trying to like show this fish in his tank swimming comfortably, but about to be submerged into another tank with well sharks. Yeah. Um, and that's directorial. That's Catherine Bigelow. Really, really. I mean, I guess Keanu Reeves looks wet and let's not be silly here. There is an appeal from the feminine viewer or the people that are in like, whatever. He looks good in this movie. Yeah, I'll Keanu Reeves is a good looking dude, I'll man. Say it. Yeah, me too. So, uh, you know, I guess getting him wet with a gun is appealing in some ways, but to the larger whole, not to be funny about that. I really do think they're trying to show 
this fish swimming comfortably, mm-hmm. but in another tank with other fish, it may not be so uncomfortable. Yeah. The stunts he did on this, these are, this is him yeah. now. And Swayze. We'll yeah. talk about him a little bit That's later. That's awesome, man. It's really cool. It's authentic. It's, it, it looks great. It's the other movies very, the remakes very CGI heavy, of course. And it's ridiculous beyond belief. Like this is within reason. I mean, the waves that are surfing, the 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 foot chase, which is amazing later, jumping out of the planes, the midair stuff, like it all looks really, really good. So it's bucket list for me next summer. Yeah. I'm gonna learn how to try to learn how to surf next summer. There you go. I really am. I I may be broken and shattered, but I'm gonna try. You might have to find someone at a surf shop to give me some lessons. No, for sure. I'm not just gonna yeah, I'll, I'll no, take yeah. some lessons, but no, yeah. Because I heard it's not easy. Yeah, I'd have to talk to our uh, our buddy Shane. I know he's kind of taken that up a little bit. Really? And Kelly, yeah. Cool, okay. Yeah, so th- this is great. So in, in this Point Break universe, the ex-presidents are this uh, bank-robbing duo, and they've hit, I don't know, like 70 banks, 60 banks in three years or something. I can't remember what Swayze says. But they dress up as Reagan, Carter, Nixon, and come on. Reagan Carter, Johnson, Nixon, and LBJ. Yeah. Uh, these plastic uh, rubber masks. They look like serial killers is what they look like. Yeah. And they just come in really quickly. So Pappas, I guess, has been on this case. No one's able to make any headway on this. And he's had this long-running theory about kind of, you know, who these people are. And as it's said in the sound clip, he thinks they're surfers, not only from their ass tans, but from one of Sex them. Wax. Yeah, one of them scraped their body on on the thing and they analyze the different wax there's a great wax bit in return of the pink panther where peter sellers is like what do you mean what kind of wax is this is this candle wax industrial wax wax is wax wax is not just wax so good <laughs> that would be a fun one too Jesse. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Th- that character is amazing right yeah they analyze it and it was surfboard wax right you know, you wax your board to decrease the friction. That way you kind of, you know, stay and it glides with the waves more. It's kind of a genius theory, right? Yeah, exactly. But Papa's, don't you kind of get the idea that he's just kind of like the FBI quack? Like, okay. no, one, no one cares? Yeah, <laughs> you just took what I was going to say. Exactly. This is set up by two of his friends earlier. Hey, dude, cowbunga, let's go right. Like, they're teasing him yeah. about this theory, which is the precursor to the sound you played earlier. Yeah. He's got this belief, and I don't know why they wouldn't investigate, they're very tan with big time tan lines. So they do obviously spend time in the water or in, in the sun. And then on top of it, if this wax, which would only serve one purpose, which is in middle school to chew and be cool like we did, or be to use to surf, why not? Mm-hmm. But he is widely dismissed by just about everybody in the bureau, except, and this goes to the friendship piece that I think we're going to really get into when you're sad that Pappas yeah. dies, yeah. except... Johnny Utah. Mm-hmm. Johnny Utah sees something in him that the rest of the Bureau has dismissed. That speaks to Johnny Utah and this sense of mm, intuition, maybe. Yeah. That if he plays his hunches properly, maybe it's going to work out for him. Yeah. That's a great way to make a hero. In fact, it's kind of just luck is what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. But I don't know a lot of heroes or winners in film that don't have an element of luck, whether it's contrived or, you know, an easy way to write a script. Mm -hmm. It's how you present that. And Johnny Utah seeing what is even the way Gary Busey Pappas jumps into the pool to get the brick sideways. Crazy man. Yeah. Which he kind of in his life right now is crazy man. Oh my God. (laughs) Poor bicycle accident, right? Yeah. Motorcycle accident. Um, he, 
he sees something there and is at least maybe because he's willing and maybe not worn out from all of Pappas's bullshit like the rest of the department might be to give it a go. And lo and behold, away we go. It's such a great partnership. There's like a throwaway moment almost later in the film. And you know that these guys are like synced. Like they know that they're in it to catch these robbers. When uh, after the beatdown on the Nazi beach surfer gang and Papa's thinks uh, Johnny Utah's getting his ass kicked. So he goes to like save him and he runs down the steps and like he's standing right there with uh, uh, Bodie. And it could have like said like, oh, what happened? Why don't you have your like he could have broken cover like right there and instead goes right into like, have you seen a little dog? A little dog's been running through there. They're like on the same wavelength of like, we need to stay in character, right? I thought that was a cool moment. Yeah, it was. But this is great. So it's all, you know, it's Utah. I'm like, okay, I'm, I got to learn to surf. I got to try and like blend in or f- try and find these guys. If you think they're they're here on the beaches, let me see if I can find them. And he's terrible at it, right? I mean, he's just falling off left and right and getting drowned and or getting submerged. And, and he notices uh, Lori Petty out there, right? And she's pretty good, I guess, uh, at, at surfing. So this is kind of like his in, right? Uh, and this is going to get him closer to the ex-presidents. But what do you think of this? Lori Petty, her casting, this character. Um, she's always been pretty interesting to me. It's this... Tank Girl and uh, League of Their Own, right? Yep. It's interesting casting here. It's a miss. Yeah. This needs to be Jamie Gertz or any number of... Jamie Gertz would be perfect. That would be pretty good. Um, part of it is I think it needs to be a physical actress, someone yeah. who can pull it off, and I guess maybe Lori Petty is one of the few that could. Yeah. I just the way they try to present her uh, and she has really beautiful blue eyes. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't buy aesthetically that she's anywhere in Bodie or Utah's league. Sure. Yeah. Um, and then she's kind of bitchy on top of it, especially when she first meets Utah. Um, it's the one miss in the film. Yeah. I really don't care for her. She doesn't, she doesn't destroy the film for me. Yeah. It's, it doesn't derail it. It's just, but no, yeah, no, it's just, I, I, it's just, I don't know if I'm a Lori Petty fan. It's just, there's something about her voice. is just like, just shrill. like shrill on my ears, yeah. but and it's just I think of a league of their own and kind of her her role in that film too. And Free Willy, Free Willy, that's the other one. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Mm-hmm. Uh, but I like how they meet, right? I mean, mm-hmm. get me anything on her because he goes into like stalker mode almost. Like he takes a picture of her license plate, and then they track down her like whole history and her parents died in an auto accident. So he uses that as kind of like the end, right? Yep. Well, I want to surf because, like, my parents, they passed away a couple of years ago. And, you know, this was something I've always really wanted to do or just, like, live in, like, their way of thinking. And it, like, really cooks her, right? Mm-hmm. And she's just like, oh, okay. Like, we have a similar thing. But then it, it all comes to a head later, right? When she's like, are your parents really dead? No. <laughs> yeah, and it's just a mess later. So... I think it's I, I think the the relationship itself on screen I think it, I think it works pretty well. That's kind of the thing about this film though is we get into it what Johnny Utah is going to do is he's going to use these people specifically Bodie and Lori Petty. What's her name? Annie. And uh, we're going to look it up. Yeah. He's going to use them to solve this crime, but in the process of using them to solve this crime and also Busey to a certain extent Pappas. Tyler. Tyler, there you go. As he kind of uses them as a means to an end, what do you do? when 
the usury becomes genuine affection. Mm -hmm. And that's where this film really, really makes some progress. That's why you care about Busey dying because was Gary Busey Pappas's death avoidable if Utah wasn't quite so reckless in the beginning? Yeah, maybe. I mean, he pushed him to what essentially is a glory case. Let's be honest about it. These were not murderers. Yeah. They're just, they've been stealing for a number of years. It's just, I don't want to say petty, but kind of trivial, especially because that money is all protected by the government anyway. So it's kind of a glory case. Yeah, don't be hero in the bank robbery. You know? Yeah, but there's that guy. I, was, I, I said that to the screen because there's the undercover or the, the, the off-duty cop, right, who mm-hmm. tries to intervene. And I'm just like, don't do it. The money's insured by FDIC. It right. doesn't matter. Right, exactly. <laughs> well, Uncle Sam's going to steal from us for once. Oh, no, what would that, you know, to replace it? Oh, Gee. no. Yeah, that never happens. Um, But this, it's kind of glory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when, it, what's kind of your genesis on, like, why they're stealing? Is it just to fuel their sports habit and their way of life? I, it's kind of it, right? Maybe because they travel around a little bit and they don't want to have a nine to fiver. So why not just rob a bank and then you're good for a few weeks? I guess. I think so. It's, it is one of the strange pieces though, in the motivation of the dead presidents, because if you're a surfer, make a bonfire. Okay. With a bottle of red hots and you know, late nights and your surfboard. Yeah. I don't know how much money you really need. And they all seem to be living in one large or one like one establishment with many many people in there, mm-hmm. none of these are working, paying off a mortgage, so it does give pause insofar as what is it? Unless yeah. it's what Bodie's about, and it's just the adrenaline, sure, just the adrenaline of doing it. In the remake, they were almost like Robin Hoods, and they were like giving money back to like disenfranchised people, and I was just. Like, that's lame. I was like, I don't care. Uh, you know, the ex-presidents actually remind me of just their vibe and just kind of that like vagabond way of like living place to play. They remind me of the Lost Boys. Yeah. Like yep. to a T. Like you have your leader and then you're like underlings, right? Kind of even look like them a little bit. Mm-hmm. The hair and the torn jeans. Well, and- it's all this beach, uh, fireside beach stuff, right? Because that's where they meet is out on a surf lesson. Bodie shows up and is like, yeah, surf, it surfs a wave all nonchalant. He's amazing at it. And he's like, oh, who's this guy? Who's this guy? You got a guy to replace me? But then they decided to play some night uh, beach football. <laughs> I always forget that. Uh, and you would never know. I mean, but like he's done this many times. Keanu Reeves is left-handed. Uh, me too. I picked that on that too. Because have you ever seen The Replacements? Yeah. With Gene Hackman? Yeah. Shane Falco, left-handed quarterback. The, Lefty. Yeah. So he was this ex. Uh, well, we'll just let the movie explain it. There you go. Hey, what the fuck is wrong with you? Don't you think that's a little out of line? Whoa, 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 cool it, Roach. Don't you know who this is? No, I don't know who this is. This is Johnny Utah, the Ohio State Buckeyes All-Conference, remember? Number nine, man. How you <laughs> doing? Nice to meet you. Jesus Christ. Johnny fucking Utah. Sorry, man. Didn't mean to get in your face. Man, I knew I knew you. It was the Rose Bowl. Three years ago, you beat SC, right? You? You did this. That was, him. That was one hell of a game. <laughs> no shit. Yeah, but uh, you got nuked in the last quarter or something. Yeah, I got my knee folded back about 90 degrees the wrong way. Whoa. And that's why you never went pro? Two years of surgery. Missed my window. Went through law school instead. Law school? You're a lawyer? Wow. Well, life's not over yet, man. You're surfing. Lawyers don't surf. This one does. It's a pretty good introduction. I mean, he knows who this guy is, right? Yep. He's a famous college athlete who lost his chance at the big time because of a sports injury. Two years go by and his window was closed. Yeah. 
Also speaks to how knowledgeable Bodhi is. Yeah. Maybe by knowing who he is, you're not going to be able to get over as easy as you can. And that's important because he has to keep this identity secret in here with very, very minimal research other than maybe what he saw on television. Yeah, he's not. Bodhi's figured him out. He's this not is a, who he is. He's not just an airhead, right? I mean, no. like, he watches sports. I mean, he's got his ear to the ground, like, what people are saying about different things. Like, he's fairly knowledgeable, not just about surfing. Do you think with Bodhi's character, we haven't really got into this, would you call him an antagonist in this film? Anti-hero? I kind of think so, too. Yeah. And Utah is also. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, because the way Utah plays everybody is very uh, malicious, right? Maybe I have a man crush on just the surfer lifestyle right now because I could have told you like yeah, that. Yeah. That is burning in me yeah. big time. It's, it's do it. You gotta do it. Flame those fan those flames next summer. Mm-hmm. But I often find myself asking this question when I look at the antagonist and the protagonist: mm-hmm. Who would I rather go have lunch with? Yeah. Now, in the case of like Thanos or someone who is hell bent on just annihilation, probably not. Probably not him. But the truth is, I don't know if I would really want to go have lunch with Cap either. No. So when I look at these two and I use that same measuring system, who would I rather just go have lunch with or sit down and have a beer with? First of all, it probably wouldn't be beer with Bodie. It'd probably be something that was you know, probably some nice bourbon. I see him or in te- a tequila. Yeah. In a strange way, in a puka shell necklace way, he's really smart. Yeah. And I find that refreshing. And he's not after some destroy society to take it over stupid antagonist goal. I don't really know what it is other than I kind of think Jesse, it's just my life is better when I'm high on adrenaline Mm -hmm. and from the adrenaline junkies that I know and have read about and know a little bit about, they're all like that. Well, once you, this is what I know too. uh, Once you start doing something, like once you jump out of a plane, like that's like, you got to like satisfy that high, like just riding your mountain bike in mm-hmm. <laughs> that ain't going to cut it anymore. Right. Then you got people doing like squirrel suit shit and like they becomes, how are you topping yourself? Right. Well, you and I have a version of that. I mean, we've never jumped out of airplanes, but here's two examples that we both are familiar with. Yeah. You like really hot chili. Yeah. Because when you eat it, yeah, it burns and your body releases that endorphin. And the second one is the gym. Mm-hmm. The, what do you want to call it? The runner's high or the post uh, workout rebound sure. that pain that you put yourself through or that pushing releases those chemicals. And this adrenaline thing is the same deal. Now you take that and you root it in someone who's intelligent, like Bodhi is mm-hmm. with goals that aren't to hurt mankind or to yeah. screw other people up. I kind of really like, I kind of have a man crush on him. Like I think he's an, he's, he's a really great character. And I also really like Patrick Swayze and you know why he's partly able to pull it off is all the dancing that he did growing up. Patrick Swayze is a lot of things to a lot of people and it's the outsiders and it's ghost and it's a bunch of different things. But what I don't think he is enough is appreciated as the physical Marvel and he had a beautiful body, but the physical Marvel that allowed him to play so many different roles. Like he even, I mean, it's not a great song, but she's like the wind is even a song that charted. I think it's seven. Yeah. The guy was really talented and taken far too soon. And in my opinion, not in enough films. I don't think he's that far from the character we see in this and the character we see in Roadhouse in real life. Sure, yeah. I just think he's Zen. Well, he was an avid skydiver pre this film. Isn't that cool? Aren't you jealous? Yeah, it's physical, Zen, smart, good looking. And that's what God bless him, man. And that's what the shame to have to live that life. 
<laughs> and that's what the bank robbery stuff is. That's just trying to satisfy that high, right? I think so. They're getting high off of that. Just like, oh my God, this is amazing. Just getting away with this crazy heist. And the fact that they do it in the president's mask is such a fuck you that's a, that's to a, the establishment. Yeah, that's, that's, I'm, that's, I'm with them. It's a double fuck you to the man, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> all the men. All, the, all of them. Uh, it's, it's really great. But they could have really made this character dumb though, right? Yes, and that wouldn't have played. Surfer, sleazebag. Like, Go, bunga dude. Yeah. The, that's the joint. Yeah, they could have really made, leaned into that with this character, but they don't. Like, they really yeah. make Bodhi, Bodhisattva, right? Yeah. It's a good Steely Dan song. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> they really are there good. There are good the, Steely Dan songs? Yeah, there is. There the, yeah, there is, man. Huh. Uh, they really lean into more of, like, the philosopher, like, yeah. wise sage, dare I say, like, Dalai Lama, Bodhi, right? Is it ridiculous for me to say when you're in the ocean, you can feel that? Because I can. When those yeah. waves are pounding, you are so insignificant. Yeah. And there's such a an ancient energy. Yeah. Boy, this is getting metaphysical here. Well, an ancient energy that I can feel. Like, I leave the ocean, and I just feel better. Well, you're just the swaying, the calm, and even, the, like, the rough calm, too. I mean, just... I'm one of those people that I'll, I'll go really far out to, yeah. like, where it's, like, almost borderline too dangerous. And then just, like, you know, I've been stung by jellyfish. It's have like, you really? Yeah, I have. Yeah. It's not fun. <laughs> no. Um, I had a lot of alcohol in me, so it, it really didn't phase me, but like there's, yeah, I'm with you. Like I, I, I really like being out there and you know, I don't really think about like the things that are in here with me and just kind of think about just like how insignificant like the, the, the planet or you are on the planet. Right. And Bodhi does say that later. Yeah. I think I actually have a clip of that. So what's the biggest? Why man? Ridden? Yeah. Kaha. Okay. The point. Bells Beach, Australia. Whoa, whoa. No way Bells is bigger than YMA, bro. We'll be next year. Bodie believes the 50-year storm is coming next year. 50-year storm? What's that? That's kind of a legend. No, it's real. It's absolutely real. Everything moves in cycles. So twice a century, the ocean lets us know just how small we really are. A winter storm comes out of Antarctica tearing up the Pacific. And it sends a huge swell north 2,000 miles. And when it hits Bells Beach, it'll turn into the biggest surf this planet has ever seen, and I will be there. So uh, You want the ultimate, you gotta be willing to pay the ultimate price. It's not tragic to die doing what you love. That's how I wanna go. Hell, I ain't gonna live to see 30. You know, it's different in that Yeah, with his little acolytes cheering him on. <clears throat> you get that with Bodhi's knowledge of geographical title tendencies and time that he's obviously not just a pretty face. He's pretty smart. Yeah. But as he's already planned it out and has this, these other kind of rejects around him are just like, yeah, fuck yeah, that sounds awesome, bro. Yeah, like that. Roach. <laughs> Except for Utah. Yeah. I think what he sees in Utah is essentially a kindred spirit. And that's really going to be in the final scene of the film when we get that. Yeah. And and he admits that there's a vulnerability that Bodhi gives Utah at the end of the film when he's essentially caught, when those two have put each other through hell. You know what would have made this, it's all, it works really well in the film, but what would have made it even a little bit better is if Johnny Utah, I don't know how you could be this with that name though, but if he was a little more square and oh. a little more like by the books same, eats the same thing every day, wears the same mm. thing to work, and he's like, and Bodhi helps like like relax him, him a bit, right? Yeah, um, yeah. 
I think that could have like that that could have been even better, right? Of just kind of seeing Johnny's transformation, and then he's got to like bust his butt at the end. I think that could have been pretty good, but it, it works really well in the film. And yeah, there's going to be some perfect storm-sized waves in Australia here. That it's a once-in-a-lifetime event, right? And we're going to be there to witness it. And to hear Bodhi say it's not tragic, die. It's not tragic if you die doing what you love. Yeah. Okay, look, I'm not advocating for some glorious death that I'm bestowing upon myself. Yeah. But isn't he right? Yeah, in a way. I mean, if I'm going to go and it's going to be some long, drawn-out illness or a blaze of glory and something that I'm happy and my other ones around me are are happy, you'd be foolish to say, yeah, I want stomach cancer for four years. Oh, yeah. He's right. Yeah. I'm not willing to go try it at a two-mile wave or whatever. Yeah. At least not yet. But... And he lived that life. If you said he's an avid skydiver, he's clearly well-spoken. He has his hands in many different fires. He appreciates the power of, of kinesiology, like dance. Mm-hmm. He respected himself. He worked hard at his craft. I just really, really admire Keanu Reeves and Patrick Swayze. And to see one of them as a likable villain is something that we don't get often. No, no, no. So we're killing that character. Yeah. How did he not get nominated? Maybe because this movie was just sort of brushed off as on one of those. How did he not get nominated for best supporting in this film? Yeah. How? I can see that. I mean, I don't know who the, the nominees were that year. How? Yeah. How did he get missed? Yeah, 91. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you're right. It's a it's it's a great character. It's a great performance by him. And yeah, it's making me feel like, yeah, we maybe we've underappreciated Mr. Swayze throughout the years. Um what was I gonna say about Great song, by the way, playing over on the uh, under underneath all that too. It's mm-hmm. a pretty decent soundtrack in this film. But that moment I talked about where Busey comes in and they're trying to play coy is kind of like the next big moment after this is where Anthony Kiedis and the Nazi surfer <laughs> Red Hot Chili Peppers show up. Oh my God, was like was Kiedis an actor or before? Because is this ninety one is under the it, bridge? This is yeah the Chili Peppers Blood were, Sugar Sex they Magic. were they were a group here by then weren't they? Oh, yeah. This is their big, big, I mean, they have plenty of albums, but this is Blood Sugar Sex Magic. This is big, big, big moment for them. Yeah. Hot. I I think more of the, like, the Californication years and Stadium Arcadium, that's way after this, right? But, like, yeah. They've got, like, 25 albums. I I like the Chili Peppers. Like, they're just, it's just, I don't know what you call that. That's, like, rock, but there's, like, some kind of, like, ska reggae to, like, kind of what they do, too. And it's, I'm kind of, I love a good bass beat, and, man, Flea brings it every time. If you go back to, like, Mother's Milk and listen to that album, Mm -hmm. that's bordering on punk. Yeah. My introduction to them was with Higher Ground. Oh, yeah, yep. And um, I love Stevie Wonder. Love them. Yeah. And then covering that song in that sort of funked out way. Mm-hmm. And that's a cool version. It Th- is. Both those versions are awesome. Yeah, they got their moments, right? They do. Uh, but yeah, so he's a part of like a Nazi surfer punk gang. <laughs> and they're just beating up Utah. And Swayze comes in and roadhouses all these guys. Yeah. Like, And then the, then the partner, the, the bond's like formed at this point. He says, come to, to my pad. We're going to just chill tonight. Uh, where I get it from Tyler, come with her. And they that, that's where we get the moment. They're talking on the beach. They go for a night surf, which sounds incredibly dangerous, but it's like the first time Utah's able to like do it like independently. And he's actually like has a great, and he, they can't get him out of the water. Right. <laughs> it's, it's so ridiculous. And then him and Tyler, they got to have some sex, uh, beach sex, which sounds horrible. Awful. <laughs> Awful. Sandy. Yeah, you're just like sand in places. You do not want sand. And you'll be picking it out for days afterwards. <laughs> And then he's late because, okay, so what the what, what's happened here is this Nazi surf, they kind of fit the profile of what the ex-presidents might be. 
So they're going to place a sting on them, right? Don't miss the the start time of the sting. And because of his sexcapades on the beach, he's almost late to this, the sting operation. Yeah. But this is a great sequence too, right? Yeah. It's a it's a just a total shootout. These guys they pull out all the Uzis and shotguns, and they're not going down without a fight. And it almost ends up pretty bad for Johnny Utah. He almost takes a lot more to the face. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty brutal. Um, but yeah, what do you kind of think of this? It's a lead that goes nowhere. They kind of screw up a little bit. They they uh, kind of uh, ruin Tom Sizemore's undercover gig. Can you imagine? Like I, I always uh, I thought. It, Joining the FBI would have been a pretty interesting career path, but a lot of, a lot of, a lot of work, right? Yeah. Can you imagine going undercover for months, living with those guys, right, and just yeah. having to just like live the lifestyle so you can bust them on what were they? It was like a heroin or a cocaine ring that he mm-hmm. was trying to bust or something, yeah. and he was trying to find the dealer and the supplier or whatnot. Yeah, I couldn't imagine. Like that would just be too hard. <laughs> Copious amounts of drugs you'd have to take in a lifestyle that was really fast to bust these dudes. I know. I mean, <laughs> if you're committed, I mean, all the power to you. But, like, that type of undercover work, I mean, I, I want the point break uh, <laughs> beat, right? Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> it's uh, it's and, a reminder, though, that this is an action film. Yeah. Yes. So, Catherine Bigelow showcases another skill set in her her repertoire of ways to make a film and that's i can really bring good action yeah. when needed because this is good action mm-hmm. um good clean clear easy to yeah. see action right yes <laughs> yes uh we the, the preceding moments here i kind of want your take on this because I, I had some thoughts on it so you know we're, we're approaching the, the moment right where we're Utah's going to need to figure out that the guys he's hanging around with and having a good time with are who he's looking for, right? The ex-presidents. And I kind of wish the film did this a little bit better. Um, I'll, pl- I'll play a little clip here. Listen, I forgot all about a meeting I have this morning, a new client. I got a jam, sorry, really. I'll call you later. I just wish the film set up a little bit more because in this moment, from the beach, he sees some surfer ass, untanned surfer ass, and realizes, oh, there's there's the ass, and kind of puts two and two together in that moment, and it kind of just feels a little bit like half-assed, if I, if I can say that. If they had set up a few other just little nuggets to now when we have this reveal, we're just like, oh, he puts it all together, right? Someone says something or slips or notices something. I just, what, what do you think about that? Yeah, it's it's pretty vague yeah. for him to put it together just with some booty. Like, oh, that's, yeah. There's ways they could have done this too. He goes through Roach's surf bag and finds the mask. Yeah, um, yeah. He wonders why Bodie always pays for everything with cash. There's any number of things they could have done. This is a little bit weak. We've got to get on with it. Yeah, we do. Yeah. Um. So I understand why it needs to happen, but I don't think it showcases his detective skills as much as it does just hunches and intuition. And that can play too. Like I already made the case. I think that works in his, his character. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's a little sloppy. 
it's a little bit sloppy. No, I just think, you know, the film's been firing on some pretty good cylinders that they slip up a little bit with, with this moment. But again, it doesn't kill the film. I just kind of wish they peppered it and just built up this a little bit. Because that's a big moment in a heist thing, right? Where the, like, you figure out, oh my God, these are the guys. <laughs> like, and now it's my best friend. Exactly. And now so the others like, oh, what do I do? What, are, what, what? How do I approach this? And boy, do we get a sequence here coming up that's amazing. So... They're staking out this bank, and he's like, yeah, they're going to hit it. Like, trust me. And so him and Busey, and Busey just wants to eat meatball subs. <laughs> like, two, not one, but yeah, two. And two. then and then when he brings him the two, did you catch the total on that? So he buys two meatball sandwiches, a tuna uh, salad on wheat, and two lemonades for, like, $7. Jesus. <laughs> Better times, huh? <laughs> Sign me up. <laughs> and then when he brings him back the two meatball subs, he's like, oh, man, you should have made it three. <laughs> like, dude, Damn. Busey's ready to chow down. And I feel bad for him because he doesn't get to eat, enjoy any of this because <laughs> ex-presidents are coming out of the bank, and you're just like, oh, shit. And so, like, they're, they're just in motion right now. And Utah kind of... I think this is when Swayze figures it out, right? When yep. Utah's like, FBI, freeze! Mm. He knows at this moment. So now what type of game are they playing? They're playing a game where, yeah, we're going to get away, but yeah, I'm not also not going to hurt you either. Mm-hmm. I'm going to set up the, the the classic moment here with another moment that is referenced in another film. Have you ever seen Point Break? No. Amazing bit in Point Break where they jump over fences. Is that nine? 29. That is why he's just robbed this bank. Keanu Reeves is chasing him through people's gardens. And he goes to shoot Swayze, but he can't because he loves him so much. And he's firing his gun up in the air. He's like, oh. Have you ever fired your gun up in the air and gone, ah? No, I have not ever fired my gun up in the air and gone, ah. <laughs> Odd pause, man. Yeah. <laughs> so stupid. But, but spot on, though. It's so spot on. Yeah. And if that film's all about, like, homage to action films, I mean, they get it right in this great foot chase through people's gardens, their houses. Dude, mm-hmm. Swayze throws a poop pit bull at Utah. Like, I, I, why would he do that? Right. And all to end up at this moment where Utah blows his knee out, I think, again, right? Again, the yeah. same knee, football injury. And he just sees him, and they just have this moment. And the way Bigelow shoots it, it's like... Long shot, long shot, close, medium shot, medium shot, close up, close up of each other's faces. And he can't do it, right? This is Bud. So what does he do? He fires his gun up in the air and goes, ah. <laughs> Frustration. Yeah. This guy's opened up a whole world to him that is unknown and that he loves and genuine admiration between the two of them. How do you bring that guy to justice? Yeah. The thing, though, that Utah's got to square with my gun being fired in the air and thus me admitting I can't really bring you in is if Bodie is hellbent on the next adrenaline high and will go to some lengths in Australia to ride the 50-year storm and possibly die, Johnny Utah has to at this moment think, if I don't bring him down, they are going to come after me in some way. Yeah, And in fact, he doesn't calculate that and that's what leads to the part coming up here that I bet you have sound for.
the frustration, right? Yeah. This big thing we're working on, I don't even know if I'm going to be able to see it through to completion because I admire the guy so much. So what now, right? Yeah, what now? Well, first of all, Tyler figures out, right? And mm-hmm. she's like, and then she kind of becomes bait in this whole scenario too. Like they're holding her captive as like ransom, as like a bargaining chip. But I got to tell you, this moment here I thought was really well done and... It's been a while since I've seen this film, so I was like, gosh, how's, how's this going to go? How When is each person going to play their hand, right, that they know that the other person's this? And they go skydiving, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just like, man, what's going to give? And you know what? It, to Bodhi's credit, in that moment, he doesn't play anything malicious. He doesn't try and give a one-up on... On this, they're in it for the moment, right? They're in it to skydive. And dude, Johnny has the time of his life. Yeah. <laughs> they like clasp hands like uh, Carl Weathers and Schwarzenegger and Predator here in midair. And he's like, you pull the shoot first, man. And it's not until we get back to the ground do they really like settle their beefs. Yep. What do you what do you think of that? I mean, it's it's a good tension building moment because you're like, is are they going to give him a parachute that doesn't work to just get rid of him as the... As a breadcrumb? What are they going to do here? What do, you, what, do you, what do you think of this? He's kind of kidnapped. And yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you're in that space where you're kidnapped, you are, per rules and films, subject to your kidnappers' desires, whims, motivations. Mm-hmm. So we're going to really find out now how genuine the relationship is from Bodhi's point of view, to for me, towards Utah. Because like you said, it's easy to kick him out of the plane with no parachute and then you don't have to worry about it anymore because you're probably heading to Australia to never be seen or heard from again anyway. But the fact that despite Utah knowing Bodhi's sins and having them been revealed in broad daylight, there is still this bond between the two of them of respect or camaraderie or brotherhood is, might I say, beautiful. And even in this moment when the good guy has kind of caught the bad guy or we're at that crisis conflict resolution moment in the film, there's still a brotherhood that exists between the two of them because in very typical Bodhi fashion, and I do think it's all because of Bodhi, there's something more important at play here. Yeah. And that's the Zen of life. The, the beauty that we can suck out of the marrow of this life if you just allow it to happen. So put all the, the badges and all your federal bullshit away and we're going to go skydiving and I'm going to give this to you because you wouldn't do it unless I forced you to do it. Yeah. So I'm going to give you one more gift, Utah. And that's, I'm going to show you how great this can be. Maybe, maybe it's a hell Mary from Bodie to try to win Utah over and like, look, man, there's a whole other life that I have for you that we can, you know, we can experience and enjoy together, but you got to put down the badge. Yeah. And I think he kind of wins him over, to be honest well, with you. Well, at the end of the film, yeah, right? Uh, but yeah, here it's just, it's just this uh, pull back and forth of, like, who's going to give, what's going to happen. And so help me with, 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 the, with the events here. So they, they kidnap him. Tyler's been kidnapped as well. She's being held uh, hostage on another side. So you can't kill me because I'm going to let you know where she's at and we'll let her go. They go skydiving, they land, and then they have this discussion in the van where he shows her the kidnapped footage, and you need to play with me, Utah, and, like, you, like, can't, I'm not going to, 
we've got this mutual respect going on. Let's not not ruin this. So then they go and they're going to go rob the bank now, right? And they got Utah in tow. They're going to rob this bank and then go back to the airport, right? And that's where Busey dies. And then they're, they're going to go and they're going to go skydiving again, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, all on the same day. It's a busy day. It's a huge busy day. <laughs> yeah, uh, but we got this great line too. There you go. Can't have you walking through those doors with your dick in your hand, right? I can't do this. Sure you can. Who knows? You might like it. It's a killer rush, buddy. This is your fucking wake up call, man. I am an FBI agent! I know, man, isn't it wild? <laughs> but you know, that's what makes it great, Johnny. We can exist on a different plane. We can make our own rules. Why be a servant to the law when you can be its master? Fucking A! I love this fucking job. And kind of lays him out to dry here a little bit. I mean, he doesn't have a mask to protect his identity, so he has to go in as Johnny Utah robbing this bank, like blowing his cover and everything. It's a pretty pretty great scene here. I mean, we actually get to see shit go tits up here with uh, Bodhi has to pull his gun and kill this off-duty officer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've never seen him do any type of violent action here, but in the moments of desperation of not wanting to get caught, I mean, he is willing to turn to that. I think that it increases the stakes for us regarding Utah safety. Mm-hmm. If, when push comes to shove, Bodhi will pull the trigger. Yes. Yeah. Maybe that parachute isn't as safe as you might think. Maybe sure. there are some ill intentions rooted underneath this. There car. are some, I guess, some sinister undertones, and you kind of don't know which way the film's going to go. The line that Bodhi gives, why be subject to the law when you can be its master, or whatever version of that. Yeah. Um, I think it's the continuation of the attack on man-made constructs that Bodhi seems to be in direct opposition to. If you're about the oceans and the power of the ocean and waves and 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 love and all of these raw, originally organic, human, true states, then something that's a construct of what rules you should follow as dictated by somebody else, especially with an establishment like a fucking bank. Yeah. I mean, is there any greater hate, hateable entity in the world than the fucking banking system? Yeah. God, fuck them. I get it, man. And he's trying to say Utah. Health insurance. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Fair to that one, yeah. Good. Utah, look, man, we can be above all this. And I'm giving you the blueprint. All you've got to do is go through it one time with me. And much like surfing, you risk a little bit, but the rewards are so great that you will see things in a different way. And Bodie's right, Jesse. Mm -hmm. The problem is... Utah also has his version of right. Yeah. And his adrenaline rush comes from being, to a certain extent, Johnny Do-Gooder. Mm-hmm. So when we have these two adrenaline junkies, both in seeking that high that are in opposition with each other, then you get that crossroads that just isn't going to quite work out. Yeah, Something's going to have to get. They're still on different planes, right? As, and as much as like I think Bodhi sounds better... You have to respect Utah because he's willing to see it through. Like he's willing to risk all of these things to see his his adrenaline high through as well. Well, like he gets extra here when Papa's gets shot yeah. in the back, right? By yeah. 
brooch or something. Yeah. Uh, and it's a moment where I'm like, no, don't do it. Don't go there. And he just like dies instantly right there. So he, he has even more incentive to like really see this through the end. Yep. So he gets on the plane with them a second time. Second here, time. And it's like, wow, what's going on with these guys? And like one of them shot up and I'll see you on the other side. I'll see you in hell, Utah. And this stunt was actually performed for real. I mean, like, um, I'll play the, I'll play the clip here, but. Uh, Swayze goes, adios, amigo, and jump literally jumps out of the plane. Like, he performed it himself. So mm-hmm. I think there was some sort of, like, insurance thing on the production where, like, they didn't want him jumping, like, uh, on the side while they were filming this film for, like, insurance reasons. But, like, was doing it anyway, like, mm. when they he wasn't on the call sheet, which I thought was pretty cool. But this moment... I completely forgot about it. And it is my, I'll stay right now, it's my WTF moment of the film. Adios, amigo! Dude, Johnny Utah jumps out of a plane with no parachute. All in. (laughs) Crazy. When it happened, I was just like, what? So that kind of trumps Bodhi's 50-year storm in those waves, doesn't it? A little bit. That's that's Because at least in the storm, you have a surfboard to kind of fight it off. This is you. Well, Bodhi Bodhi falls off that surfboard in like a second. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like, I think he kind of one-ups him with this, though. You want to be the thrill seeker? Watch this. Yeah. This is something, right? Yeah, no, yeah. And it looks amazing. I don't know how they filmed some of this aerial stuff because it looks it looks great. And the actors are like in the frame, in the shot, no stunt doubles, bartering with each other about, you pulled the shoot first, man. Like, no, nah, you do it, Utah. Like, I'll wait for you. And they're like 90 feet from the ground, then pull this thing and would probably shatter everything in their like legs, right? Yeah. That sports injury would be nothing compared to what would happen to them now. But this is amazing like i can't believe like utah just fucker <laughs> jumps mm-hmm. out of the plane it's, it's <laughs> awesome i love it <laughs> just again to remind you for all the zen we've talked about and that we've shot in this film mm-hmm. it's still an action movie yeah really well shot action movie yeah but this is kind of it i mean this is kind of the last moments between these characters where they're gonna still have that mutual respect for like i'm gonna take you in now buddy and, and doesn't right doesn't arrest him doesn't take him to the authorities and Bodhi doesn't kill him, right? So I'm off. I'm off to Australia. Bio con Dios, my friend. Bio con Dios, amigo. And that that's kind of it. And they let Tyler go, and, and that's fine. And that's probably a irreparable relationship at this point, right? But we got a little tag to the end of this film here. And I, I wondered this. I couldn't find any anything in any trivia or notes or anything, but... They must have filmed this months later. Dude, Keanu's hair is way longer, and dude, uh, Bodhi doesn't have that bleach blonde look anymore. He looks like the Swayze that I know, right? Yeah. But here he is in Australia on the banks of this storm, to the storm of the century, and he's ready to go out on his board, and yeah. I can't let you do it. I'm, I'm, I'm taking you in. I've been to Mexico. I've scoured the earth for you, and I'm taking you in. And then again, what happens is respect rears its ugly head again, and... <sighs> He handcuffs himself to Bodhi on the bank or on the shore of this beach. The storm break is unbelievable. The point break is ridiculous. And then here come the Australian government and helicopters and SWAT teams, and they're going to take Bodhi in, right? 
And he just, what does he ask for? He's like, I want one more ride, one wave. Yep. And then I'll take it in. I'll do anything you, you say. And he's like, he's like, I know what that means, Bodie. And he's like, just let me have this one moment. This is what I've always wanted. And he lets him go. And it's, again, that respect of like the Zen of the ocean and then the Zen of law. It all comes to a head in this in this sequence, and like I said, like I, I think I remember like Bodie like maybe riding this wave for a while and then crashing. Bodie's on this board for a second, gone, and he's done. Dude, he gets killed instantly by this wave. Probably this is kind of a horrible death, right? It is, <laughs> but for Bodie, tragically not. It's the way he'd want to go. Yeah, out at sea, the power of the ocean, the power of friendship, the power of trust, and the power of law, mm-hmm. and three of those things are organic and unique and real. And one of that is a bunch of words written on a piece of paper. And it's in that moment, whatever lessons Bodhi has given Utah, we see the mastery of those lessons paid forward back to Bodhi. Like I understood exactly what you were trying to give me, Bodhi, because at the end of the day, I don't really know how great the pursuit of True justice was anyway in regards to the power of the ocean and what we shared. So, yeah, you know what, brother? Go. And the truth is, it rids the world, I guess, of a criminal, but it also spares Bodhi a fate worse than death. Yeah. Can you imagine Bodhi locked up? Yeah, that's not his vibe. Oh, my God. Like, that would be everything that those two guys shared that was a genuine friendship and Utah just crapping all over it. Well, he tells him, he's like, he's like, when's he coming back? And he's like, he's not no. coming back. Yeah, this is, he's dying out. Not even in a sequel. Yeah. Damn it. Thankfully. Yeah. yeah they didn't do that. I like that ending though. I do too. Yeah. And I, it probably gets Utah kicked out of the FBI. Well, he quits. He throws his badge in the ocean. And that's him coming to terms with what Bodie's saying being 100%. Yeah. You're right, Bodie. This is bullshit. Yeah. Why am I working for the man? chasing these silly things so that the the station officer can make sure his quota for arrests is met. Yeah. Fuck that guy too. Like, is there a more hateable boss than that guy? Oh, uh, John C. McGinley. John C. McGinley. <laughs> oh yeah. Busey punches his lights out. Right. <laughs> so I think everybody gets what they want, including the audience. I think so. Yeah. I think it's a pretty, it's a pretty great ending and it's yeah. Bodhi, yeah, Bodhi gets destroyed by this wave and yeah. Utah throws his badge into the ocean. I think one of the things that really helps balance this film and make it so palatable for me is as heavy action is the raid on the heroin den, the chase through the people's houses, and then the skydiving bit. Yeah. Those are heavy, heavy action sequences. Yeah. It's balanced just as effectively with great moments of cool locations and good character dialogue development. And that's all the surfing Zen stuff. Just chilling with the characters. Yeah. You get that. I mean, not to be yin and yang because, or, you know, tragedy and comedy, the Greek faces and all that crap. I just, it really does decompress you in the way like comedy works or horror works. Mm -hmm. You scream to let out that tension. This does the same way. And these, after this terrible chase fires a gun screams, and then we have a moment of friendship again. Mm -hmm. And so that really does a good job of keeping the movie even keeled and balancing it. And it allows, I think the highs to be greater Mm -hmm. when they do arise. Cause you're not on an emotional 10 the whole time. You're 10 to four, 10 to four, 10 to four, 10 to four. Yeah. That works really well. Yeah. That's mastered between either her and Cameron in the script or her and the editor in the story room. Yeah. It's a great conclusion. Great conclusion here. Uh, Yeah. I think, let me get the numbers for you here because maybe it's it's kind of lived on a little bit better as a 
maybe more of a cult film. Yeah, $24 million budget, $83 million gross. So big, but not like Monster. monstrous. So I think it's definitely found its audience more throughout the years, right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of this kind of quiet, uh, not quiet, but like under the radar action film that has some pretty good stuff to, to like about it. So those things you like about. Matt, what is your favorite tasting note of Point Break? Hmm. I think, gosh, I think the conversations that Bodhi has that are a snapshot into his soul, whether that's at the bonfire at the beach in the 50-year storm with Utah or the moment where Utah relights the fire of ambition under Pappas, I think probably one of those two. The action sequences are great, but I really dig Mm the the character and how they come across on, on screen with Bodie and um and Utah. So I don't know if I have one. I mean, if I could take all of those look Utah, here's a better Zen way to look at this and smash them into one, that's probably what I would say. Good choice. Uh I really like in uh action sequences set in industrial uh settings it's one of my favorite things but i also love a good on foot chase mm-hmm. maybe i said this when we did casino royale and we had that parkour sequence mm-hmm. but the one in this film's amazing dude reeves chasing swayze in reagan attire through la's back streets is so cool like it's it's nothing like overly ridiculous it's like going through people's houses jumping over fences much like nick frost said in, in hot fuzz and there's one moment, too, where, like, Reeves just, like, runs through, like, a, a sliding glass door. And then when he's in there, like, the woman in the house is, like, beating him with the golf club. Yeah. And he so he's got to deal with those people. And then he throws gets the dog thrown at him. And it's just, it's, it's, it's really great. And it's shot really, really well, too. Mm-hmm. You see everything really clearly. So that that's my favorite sequence. Good one. And I already mentioned mine, but what's your... Moment, uh, point break. Pretty significant hype around the 50-year storm and exactly how big those waves are going to be. Yeah. But when we see Bodhi swallowed up by that one. It's pretty big. It's huge. I've never seen waves like that. Yeah. So that yeah. lives up to all of it and exceeds it. It's the wave that like topples uh, the Andrea Gale in the perfect storm. Yeah. It's gigantic. Yeah. Literally. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. They close the beaches down when that shit happens, mm-hmm. right? Like, it's it's a death wish to ever think about getting out into surf like that. Yeah. Great, great one. And mine's fucker and jumping ah. out of the plane. Like, dude, like, I would not even if I wanted to catch a bad guy, I'm not jumping out of the plane without a shoot. Right. <laughs> there's like a James, there's a great, uh, the, oh, the cold open to Moonraker, Roger Moore uh, gets thrown out of a airplane with no shoot. And then... By Jaws, mm-hmm. guy with the teeth, and then they have like a cool like midair fight that's really awesome. So, is that your favorite Roger Moore moment in Bond? No, 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 no. It's a great one though. Do you like Moonraker? I think you know Moonraker's not terrible. It, it definitely jumps the shark once they get to space with the lasers, and they're doing Star Wars, right? Yeah, it's not a terrible. The first half of that movie is a pretty great Bond film. Mm-hmm. So, Moore's tenure as Bond is great nostalgia for me yeah like i really like and it's the bond you grew up with so of course you're gonna like mr moore yep uh who's the master distiller on point break a lot of people to pick from i'm gonna go with patrick swayze love keanu reeves love him love him love we him. haven't done a swayze film this is the first one yeah yeah he's so good in this again i think what's so good about it too is he's able to see a great character that was supporting and not lead at a time when he was getting any lead that he wanted yeah 
uh, which either speaks to the writing or his agent or just the genius of the man, because to give that role to kind of unknown, not entirely, but sort of unknown Keanu in comparison to Swayze mm-hmm. to pay to play, sorry, antagonist support is genius, but man, he comes across so, so good in this film. Yeah, he's good. Kills it. Yeah, I forgot how interesting that character is. And Utah himself, and Keanu, we've sung Keanu's praises many a time on this podcast. He's great. Uh, Really great in his role as well. I got to give it to Captain Bigelow. I mean, in real control of this film. And it just made me think about her, the rest of her filmography, and just like really undervalued talent, I think. It's just action, surfer, adrenaline film, vampire horror film, science fiction, dystopian thriller, historical epic. I mean, this, she's done it all, really, So yeah. and, and done it really well. So uh, I forgot how well-constructed Point Break was from a thriller perspective and an action movie perspective. And, yeah, this is, this is her vehicle. This, this is a really well-directed movie, so I got to give it to her. Yeah. How are you going to rate and grade Point Break? Rock gut, well, single barrel, Oh, hang on a second. Rocket Well Call Single Barrel and Top Shelf. Where are you going for this one? I love it. But despite the fact that I love it, I can't go quite all the way top shelf just because Lori Petty is a bit rough. Yeah. Um, I, I could still get there, but I'm going to choose to go another way. And that's Single Barrel because, like, for me, I save that rating for stuff that's wickedly unique. Yeah. I'm going to actually tell you, I don't think this is a high-concept film either. Yeah. Surfer bank robbers who... I mean, try to pitch that in one sentence log line. Yeah, it's not. Widely appealing. I don't know, maybe with the casting, but all of the the boxes you need to check in order to be traditional high concept, I don't think this is. I think this is pretty low concept film, actually. Yeah. I mean, if you're just going to pitch, it's a bank heist movie. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But that's not what this film is. Yeah, it doesn't roll off the tip of your tongue like doesn't. some others do. So to take that from spec and craft a movie that is unlike any other film that's ever been made, this is one of a kind. Yeah. There is no other surfing bank robber movie. Yeah. Because most people would be like, that sounds ridiculous. Yeah. Because <laughs> kind of sounds ridiculous. Yeah. And if you yeah, if you need more evidence of that, go watch the remake and watch how yeah. fucking awful it is. I mean, just surfing movies in general. Yeah. Kind of all are shitty. Mm-hmm. So, and then you take and get these great performances with these two fucking studs in here. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give it single barrel plus but nice. not top shelf. Wickedly, wickedly unique, and I love it. Like, this is all-time top 10 for me. So Jamie Gertz away from being top shelf. <laughs> Maybe top five ever yeah. from, like, a mm-hmm. female lead that I just can't. And again, she doesn't destroy the film. It's just when you take those two guys, yeah. she can't. She just doesn't live up to it. Yeah. Mia Sarah, Jamie Gertz. Well, the film just essentially just forgets her, too. I mean, she's, like held hostage for the the whole third act of the film. So it makes me wonder when you brought up them saying that we had a bit of a rewrite that we needed to do with this, if they shoehorned that in there to make it a little bit more quadrant for everybody, kind of give it a romance angle. Cause this could easily happen without her. And as he's on the waves trying to learn, he yeah. runs into Bodhi and Bodhi gives him a tip. Well, they're probably, they probably realize. Yeah, exactly. They and prob- then, and then we're off the same way. Well, they probably realize oh, there is a romance, but it's more of a bromance in right? this film. So yeah. we don't really need that other aspect. So let's just kind of get it out of here. I mean, when you think about like, let's say training day and Shawshank, for example, you can have movies that don't necessarily need to have that, but this mm-hmm. isn't that. And this is a summer release. So, but she just, again, doesn't wreck the film, but she, she's just not, not what I would have gone with. Great. Great choice. Uh, single barrel for me as well. Again, it's just like the unique aspect. Like there's, there's no other like 
surfing action bank robbery heist films uh out there and if they are they're probably terrible mm-hmm. but yeah it's it's really well acted directed uh it's, it it looks it's fun the great soundtrack too uh yeah i got to give it, i got to give it single barrel uh just because you know it would be close to top shelf but like those kind of like him discovering who the ex-prints are is just it's a little weak for me yeah but this is a great time. Ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't seen Point Break, it's on HBO Max right now. Go watch this movie. Mm-hmm. The remake's on there as well, and if you dare, go ahead. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was great to kind of watch both of them back-to-back because uh, you kind of see just how pointless the other one was and why it's, it's missing all the mojo and gel that made the original so good. The locale, the the angle, the acting, the characterization, it's just missing everything, so it made me appreciate the original a whole lot more. So yeah. Yeah. This is, yeah. The nineties, I think we did speed last boy scout and this, and man, we left cliffhanger, uh, the fugitive, so many other great action films. What a great decade for this genre, right? Mm-hmm. Better than horror. For sure. I mean, horror had Blair witch and scream and a few Candyman and a few other decent gems in there, but it's mostly shit. Uh, yeah. Action was like, I don't know, level. Yeah. Pretty good. Yeah. Great, great, great. Just a fun, fun cask. Well, cheers to you. Cheers to this cask. Cheers to this film. But we got, let's wrap this up with our nightcap. Fun little song by rap was Winger Busy. Exactly. <laughs> oh, Jesus. You know, that guitar lick starting in there sounds like Aldo Nova a little bit, doesn't it? A little bit, yeah. Yeah. yeah pretty good. I just tap my foot to that little ditty. Yeah. <laughs> rat. Go ahead. Nightcap question. Uh, got me thinking about Keanu Reeves and his career. Again. <laughs> Again. So um, I just think it's really interesting because there's been lots of ups and downs. Yep. So I'm talking career-wise. Okay. So you can take this from the agent's point of view or his point of view, but like, what's the best decision wise? I want you to do two things. I want you to tell me in the span of his career, what's the worst role he's taken decision career wise and what's the best decision role he's taken career wise. Okay. Let's do best first and then worst second. You want, you want to go first? Yeah. Okay. Mine's John Wick. Yeah. That career was on life support. I mean, there's a couple of things prior to that, that movie where, the girls come in and um, oh, knock, knock. kind of hard candy him out a little bit. Yeah. Have you ever seen hard candy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So knock, knock that one sort that's of a, starting that's to an see Eli Roth film. Yeah, that is Yeah, starting to see the Keanu Renaissance. Anna, Anna de Armas. Right. Yep. You curious about that Marilyn Monroe movie? She's yes. going to be in. Yes. Yeah. I am. Might have to think about that one. That'd be a fun cast. Yeah. We haven't done her at all. Yeah. Actually we did some like it hot. Didn't we? Nope. We haven't done some like it Ooh, hot Marilyn cast. That'd be good. Yeah, it would be with that film. Yep. Think about it. Okay. Um, you know, there was the dog star thing and then his own version of Zen that he went through. And for everybody that doesn't know what I mean by that, just if you read anything that he's put out social media wise and sort of come to terms with as just a human, he's in a really good place right now, but his career wasn't prior to that. Um, I would kind of venture Nick Cage-ish territory. Now I know there's been a Nick Cage renaissance too, but kind of, 
off the rails and sort of lost in probably, off the A list to maybe B to C list. Probably in a, a bit of a better shape than Mr. Okay, Cage, but but similar, right? <laughs> sure, yeah. Like a precipitous fall from grace. Yeah. Um, we'll get to what I think led him to that earlier or later, but I dude, think, I want to see Mandy with Keanu Reeves. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, that'd be a whole different kind of crazy. I think John Wick has really yeah. reignited a lot of things for him. Mm-hmm. Um, in what, when it first came out, was kind of a B film that found a footing, and now uh, who can't wait for four? I know we're, or yeah, four. I know we're going to cover next it. Uh, March. Yep, yep. Um, with a great cast. Mm-hmm. I mean, that great. There's a great cast around him now in that yeah. too. So I'm going to go with that. I think John Wick, the last big decision he's made, has been really good, and I'm just waiting for a Star Wars or Marvel role to line in his I'm life. Sil- it's coming sooner. On the later. Silver Surfer, right? Got to be. Oh, that'd be. Oh my God, he would be so good. That'd as be that. huge. Huge. Great choice. Oh my choice. God, he would be so good as that. Yeah. Great choice. Great choice. I'm going to have to pick, and you know, like his career has just like done this, right? Roller coaster. Uh, and like if we're riding the point break, uh, speed, high, and then it kind of like, it kind of does that thing, right? Where we're doing fucking Johnny Mnemonic and chain reaction and walking the clouds. And we're like, dude, where's Reeves and the devil's advocate, which isn't amazing. And then he reads a little spec screenplay, and it turns into a phenomena franchise. I, I got to pick Neo, yeah. The Matrix, right? Yeah. To the point where I think his back-end earnings on the latter two Reloaded and Revolutions, which puke, uh, $250 million I think he walked away with. And he gave, like, a third of that to, like, the visual effects and stunt departments, like, made them all millionaires instantly. We talked about that on the Wick episode. Mm-hmm. Fucking awesome thing yeah. to do, but a career that just propelled him into the 21st century, right? Yep. With a very 21st century esque character, and that film, the first film, is a masterpiece, and the rest of the the other and fucking revolutions. That that thing was oh, Resurrections, Matrix Resurrections, last year's movie mm-hmm. that was terrible. Uh, a still pretty great career move to get him back into this era, and then it kind of again started to wane again, and then. Wick brought it back again. So I think yeah, when the that man does eventually pass, and hopefully it's a long time from now, we get to see a lot of really great films. But I think the headline will read star of like the Matrix will be like the headliner, right? I think that's like what he's gonna be like best be remembered for is playing Neo, is like that's like his role. So wow. yeah, probably. But he's good in it. He's he's pretty good in it. The, the fighting choreography. I mean, the John Wick choreography is really great. And I like that the Wick choreography almost feels, I mean, we did, I don't know if we talked about this, but it kind of feels a little slowed down and like an older weathered action hero. Yeah. And I like that in that film, right? It fits that character. But if you want to see prime Keanu in his commitment to an action scene, man, that first matrix is just, rips all his flexible glory oh so good yeah mm-hmm. and the gun fu and all the, all that stuff that's it's, that's that's my pick good choice Dude, will smith passing on neo probably a, to do wild wild west probably Whoops. a big miss right huge miss <laughs> yep but i don't know if it works as well i mean keanu fits that hacker like neopunk neo-noir vibe it's just it, it's a better fit it's honestly a better fit agreed Worst career moves. What do you got in there? Well, if you go speed and then you go um, or point break speed and Dracula back to back to back, mm-hmm. your next one's huge. Yeah. And he makes the worst decision of his career. And it's not even, it's Johnny Mnemonic. Yeah. Everybody's allowed a miss. Yeah. 
And it could be a miss for a lot of different reasons, but there's no way on paper that was a good read. And if you think about it, it speaks to a part that he wanted because you can kind of make the case that that's what we really, like a good version of that ended up being Neo. A good version of Johnny Mnemonic ended up being The Matrix. So I think that there was something that was interesting for that with him. However, that movie, I think, stole five to six years of his career. Sure. Because I think that was so bad that people, and that movie, at one time, that was one of the three biggest flops per ROI and return on that investment ever. Like up there with Waterworld kind of loss. Huge. Henry fucking Rollins, what were you thinking? jeez. Terrible. I've I've only seen it once. We left. Yeah. We left. It's, it, I don't know, what was the mid-90s craze with, like, hackers and, like, cyberpunks? Yeah, I don't know. You have hackers with Angelina Jolie and Johnny Lee Miller, and then, like, uh, Strange Days is a little kind of that mm-hmm. vibe as well. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know, something was in the air. We're just like, this is the net. Yeah, the, oh, yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> Everything was just, like, in that vibe, and then we, we kind of thankfully got out of that. But, man, Johnny Mnemonic, Mnemonic is quite a turd. Huge turd. Ugh. Yeah. Blue Ribbon Sewer Pickle. But then, yeah, it just gets that opportunity where it's like this Matrix, this spec screenplay is just like, let me take a chance on this, and then it becomes what it does. The guy's had a such an interesting career. His friendship with River Phoenix and, like, all that stuff, like, it's just it's just wild it's just what this guy's had. You mentioned River Phoenix, and he's not afraid to take chances because you could say My Own Private Idaho is a big moment for him, too, because that's career derailing for some people. Sure. Playing that role at that time... I don't know. It's tough to be Hollywood leading man and go gay. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of in that film kind of shows itself not to really be the way, but you, if you haven't seen it, it's, it's worth a watch. Um, but worked, worked for him. Yeah, yeah it worked. Mm-hmm. Worst career move for you. What do you got? You briefly mentioned it in your little summation there, but there's Bram Stoker's Dracula is I think a pretty, pretty great film. Yeah. Uh, on a technical level on an acting level, but Gary Oldman has to do a lot of heavy lifting for Winona Ryder and Keanu Reeves in that. And it's just, you know, like Reeves, I think fits a lot of roles. John Wick is very suited for him and Neo in the matrix and Jack Travin and Johnny Utah, but like something about Jonathan Harker just doesn't ring Reeves. So I don't know if his agent or himself, like whoever was like, let me do this. And it kind of just, it distracts a little bit from the aesthetic. Mm -hmm. Um, them two notorious and weren't they like like un like married like by some gypsy priest like for real on yeah. that movie like it's kind of a crazy thing but I just don't think he fits that role too well. Gary Oldman's amazing in it and mm-hmm. like I said does a lot of heavy lifting in that but uh, I just think that's just like period drama. Reeves just doesn't that doesn't ring off the tip of its tongue right. I want to see him in stuff like Point Break and The Matrix and John Wick and the right Marvel property or something like that, or the, the uh, devil in the white city. I think that could be a pretty good role for him. I don't know if he's playing H H Holmes or like the guy looking for him, but like that could be pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, not Jonathan Harker uh, from Dracula. <laughs> so. Harker's wooden anyway, though he is that, that character kind of blows. He does. <laughs> I don't blame Mina for trying to find anyone else to replace Harker with Reeves uh, kind of going a little all out as uh, Renfield. I'd be down mm-hmm. for that. That could have been pretty good. Tom Waits is Renfield in that, and he's all right. He's all right. But, yeah, I got to go with that one. That's a big, high-profile film that is kind of a bit swing and a miss, and thankfully, Speed was, like, the next year, right? Yeah. 
But there's another reason I picked this particular film because speaking of Mr. Coppola, this is the perfect segue for this. And um, we'll announce this here, but I'll let this little clip play. This is a monstrous cast that we are about to dive into. I leave for New York tomorrow. Think about a price. Do you know who I am? I'm Mo Green. I made my bones when you were going out with cheerleaders. Wait a minute, Mo. Tom, Tom, you're the conciliary, and you can talk to the Don, you can explain... Just a minute. Don is semi-retired, and Mike is in charge of the family business now. Have anything to say, say it to Michael. Mike, you don't come to Las Vegas and talk to a man like Mo Green like that! Fredo, you're my older brother, and I love you. But don't ever take sides with anyone against the family again. Big moment, right? Big moment. Big film. Big trilogy. Big cask. Uh, so the, now that the theaters have kind of settled into their release dates and nothing's delayed anymore and everything's coming out, we're kind of in a weird period where there's like nothing out right now. Right. right. So in order to hold off until we get into the spooky season... We thought, let's dive into a trilogy. Just three films, back to back to back, and let's see how this goes. And this was the first one that like jumped out at us of like, yeah, we got to do that. Yeah, The Godfather trilogy. Francis Ford Coppola, 1972's The Original Godfather. What are your expectations of this cask? Or like, this is kind of, it's almost overwhelming, the, the responsibility of covering these films, right? Yeah, look, that's obvious we're not going to come across in like, crash the first two films. I mean, we're a lot of things, but none of them are stupid. Mm -hmm. So I think what's going to be really interesting is trying to determine in those first two films, one settled debate, which is which of the two is better. Yeah. One or two. And then number two, what is it? Is it Vito or is it Michael that make that story work? I think there's a lot of really interesting character stuff we're going to get into. And arcs. Yeah. yeah, That, um, that play out really, or you could also make the case. Maybe what works work is Tom Hagen. Yeah, Maybe. We'll see. And the Fredo, the family. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't wait to get into this. And then when we get to part three, the ill bastard child part three, right? Yeah. Uh, we have an opportunity here. We can either do the original theatrical part three, which I think is a little hard to find right now. I just got this new 4K set, and it actually has the re-edited Godfather. It's called Godfather Coda, The Death of Michael Corleone. It was like Coppola re-edited part three to be more palatable, I guess. Mm. So we, we could watch that one as well and kind of get a new experience on that third entry. But I can't wait to get into all of this. This is this is going to be wild. And yeah. all the, the characters. Have you done on Paramount Plus the offer with Miles Teller? I haven't. We might want to do that concurrently while discussing that because that's uh it's a limited series on paramount plus where it's the story of it the making of the godfather yeah, yeah that might be kind of interesting to dive into but okay this was a long time coming right sure we was. knew these films were going to rear its ugly head at some point and why better time than now so i'm a little intimidated i'll be honest with you this is a lot of material and thematic material to cover but i think we're up to the challenge well we're going to be <laughs> This and we one. promise the podcast won't be as long as the films. Oh, yeah, maybe who, we will be. Who knows? I gosh, I don't know. It, it ends when it ends, is what I say. Yeah. But uh, that's why I said wine. I don't know. Maybe we'll just we'll have a bot. We won't drink it because I'm not a big wine guy. But yeah. 
we'll have a bottle of Coppola wine here on the table with us while we have our whiskey, right? Okay. That seems about right. That's good. Uh, but cheers to you. Cheers to you. So you got Godfather coming to you the next three weeks. Uh, I got to get going. Uh, I'm with you. Uh, maybe you and I will go get some surf lessons. We'll go hit the point break and try not to kill ourselves. <laughs> I'm buying fish tacos afterwards. Okay, excellent. And if a jellyfish stings you and me, we're not peeing on each other. Say, can I pee on you? No, the pain will eventually go away. <laughs> That was yeah. the main thing everyone has. Everyone wanted to take a piss on me. And I'm like, no, like, I feel okay. I'm drunk, but not that drunk. Yeah. If it's a Portuguese man of war or nor a box jellyfish, that's bad news. And you got to get, like, medical attention in, like, an hour. <laughs> so, anyway, we'll see you all next week. Have a good week, everybody. We'll see you in the dark. Thank you for listening to Rye Smile Films. Be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, TuneIn, or if you listen to podcasts and be sure to leave us a rating and a review while you're there. It really helps out the show. And for Rye Smile Films merchandise, go to tpublic.com. Point Break is property of 20th Century Fox, Largo Entertainment, and Johnny Utah Productions. And no copyright infringement is intended. Until next time, cheers. Right around that corner, there is a sandwich shop. They sell meatball sandwiches. Best I've ever tasted. Would you go get me two? Come on, partner. Two. Thank you. Utah, give me two.